Hello there, it's producer Casey. From time to time, TJ, Tony, and I like to hop on what we call Twitch and Shout, a live streaming video version of our show that we broadcast on Twitch, hosted by our fine friends at Chicago For Real. It allows us to be a little bit looser, play around with the format of the show. We field questions and comments from those of you who join us in the audience. We appreciate that. And we get to bring on special guests. So this week, we're revisiting a conversation we had with the Second City's Kelly Leonard not long after the Get Back documentary came out last fall. So take a listen, and if you like it, be sure to join our next live stream. We always post the details on our social media, so follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can find links to all of those in the show notes. Okay, that's enough preamble. Let's get on with the show. Untitled Beatles podcast. I will just introduce him as saying he's one of the seminal, most influential people in Second City history of over the last 25 years. It's great to have him on Twitch and Shout. He's a diehard Beatle fan. Kelly Leonard's with us. Hey! Hey, guys. How's it going? Hey, Kelly. How are you, man? I'm good. Good to see you. Good to see you. Great seeing you, too. So... We have a lot to talk about. Before we kind of get into this, what's in your hand? And I've asked you that question many times. Many times. I found this. Uh, it's a 45, Apple 45 jet. And on one side. and Mimonia? Let me roll it. Oh. 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 Isn't that weird? Isn't that a weird? It's like a double A almost, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I've never know. seen that one. Where yeah. do you think you got that? Well, my dad was a radio guy, so wow. I I have probably 35 uh, Beatles 45s in addition that's to awesome. all the first, you know, albums. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I was going to bring up your father, the legendary uh, Roy Leonard, legendary Chicago media guy for what, Kelly, half a century? I mean, yeah, Roy so was he- in- 33 years or so. And it's funny, we had this framed cartoon. It was an, an ad for his radio show. And I, I now own it. It's down in my living room. And it's a older guy walking by two kids. And then uh, the kids are saying to each other, my dad listened to the Beatles for two hours on WGN. Now he thinks he knows everything. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, I'm not going to play the whole video, but I got this great screenshot of your dad interviewed McCartney yes. during his Give My Regards to Broad Street. Did he do a press tour? Is it in Chicago? Yeah, they did, they did a junket in Chicago. It would seem to me that Paul McCartney has tried maybe in the past few years to go out of his way to, to diminish the Beatle image. I mean, that's all something in the past. Now we're talking about Paul McCartney. And yet, in Give My Regards to Broad Street, you use a lot of Beatle songs. Yeah. I think in the beginning, when the Beatles broke up, it was uh, it was a bit like a divorce, or what I imagine a divorce would be like, in as much as you don't want to know anything about the other people. You know, you want to leave your old life behind, you want to get on with your new life, you want to make a fresh start. But um, with something like the Beatles, of course you can't, because no one else is going to forget, even if you do. This is on YouTube, by the way. And it's great to see, like, at what point your dad and Paul have, like, a nice connection with their eyes. I mean, your dad met so many famous people being in media forever. But what, do you recall him telling you he was meeting Paul, one of those extra special interviews? Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, he. so, you know, our big story was in 1976, the Wings Over America tour. Uh, I'm the youngest of six boys. Uh, Roy got tickets for all of us. 
and then we all went backstage and got to meet Paul. Uh, wow. And then because I was the youngest, uh, he gave me his wings ne- necklace. Uh, oh, my neck. Wow. Wow. Well, that's hilarious, too, because that's like a thing like with the pilot would give you the wings if you're flying on an airplane. <laughs> yes, yeah, they would. And I also remember just Joe English, the drummer, was so drunk. They were playing darts <laughs> and they told us to move because he was probably going to hit us. <laughs> and then he, then he got born again. I think he got born again. Well, you know, you got to hit that bottom or whatever, right? You got to hit that bottom. Yeah. So it's him and Jimmy McCullough who OD'd. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I didn't see Denny. I did see Linda. Uh, but but we just talked to Paul. It was very brief, but it was like the coolest moment of my life. And then he's Roy interviewed him a few times and he interviewed George uh, a couple of times uh, in Ringo. He never wow. interviewed John. Yeah. I don't think John came to Chicago much. Mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah. Before we uh, move on from this, there's one more picture I want to show that Kelly, when I shared this with you a couple of years ago, I don't even think you knew about this, but I was burning all my DVDs into digital files and I mm-hmm. came across on the John Lennon Imagine uh, DVD, it's hard to right. see here, but the poll quote reviewer is Roy Leonard on the Imagine movie DVD, which is the Andrew Salt. This movie changed me in 1988. I was mm-hmm. already deep in the Beatles, but seeing this at the 900 North Michigan theaters and seeing those clips and all that sound, hearing real love for the first time, and the DVD release has the poll quote review from your dad. How does something like that? I mean, is that just happenstance? Like, how do they pick in a world of all these critics? Roy Leonard is picked to be on the back of this DVD. I would imagine the Chicago market is probably the one that's the easiest to hit both coasts and the center. So, like, if you just go West Coast, you've got that. If you just go East Coast, it's, you know, one of the reasons my dad attracted so many celebrity interviews, like the top names at that time was because they needed middle America to know about it. Not just the, uh, coast elites <laughs> as we like to, uh, talk about. Uh, so I think that that was probably the strategic move is my guess. Whatever it is, it's yeah. awesome. I, I yeah. mean, I, I didn't notice it until I burned the CD. And again, that's for a certain generation. That's in a very important. That's almost like the Imagine John Lennon film was to solo John what the complete Beatles was to the Beatles for many of us in the 80s. Yeah, it, it's 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 a cool legacy. My dad has a few gold records based on helping either make something happen or promote it. And it was his producer, Pete Marino, who basically sampled, before sampling was a thing, Neil Diamond and Barbara Streisand, each doing You Don't Bring Me Flowers, and he made it a duet, and people went nuts for it. So then they recorded the duet, became a gold record. Wow. Both Roy and Pete got gold records of that. You don't bring me flowers I didn't know the story behind that. That yeah. is awesome. I just thought they, you know, they worked it out. Wow. No, it was, it was, it was Pete's idea. He did it. And then, um, and he, uh, Pete Marino, uh, as big a Beatles fan as anyone in this uh, little uh, screen <laughs> room here, he named his kids, uh, John and Paul. Wow. Oh, wow. Ma- yeah. Maybe wow. he loves the Pope, you know, <laughs> <They're>, they're, <laughs> oh, oh, he's Italian. He, he has to. let's talk a little bit about how you got into the Beatles, because you came of age kind of toward the end of the and the breakup yeah, so and all I, that. What, yeah, what's in, your well, entry? I was born in 66 
And as I say, I'm the youngest of six boys. So start with all the music that gets passed down. And what was hilarious about a lot of our record. So, so the rule was every Friday, my dad would come home with a stack of albums and a stack of books. And it went from oldest to youngest in terms of what you got to be able to be picked. So oh. I love the Beatles, but a lot of the albums I was getting in the sort of seminal period here was like Joe Jackson, Elvis Costello, because they didn't oh. know who these people were. So then my brothers would be like, hey, I'll trade you all my Eric Clapton <laughs> records for, and I'd be like, okay. And then I'd get the CD <laughs> later because then that that's, you know, that turned out. So I have a really great, massive 60s, 70s record collection, uh, and then a massive, once CDs came out, more modern music. But the Beatles were just like, everyone in my family liked them. My dad, you know, like WGN did not play music, except for right. my dad's show. And he, and he got a lot of like, you know, good response to this stuff. And I, you know, again, seeing McCartney when I was 10 years old and meeting him and, you know, sort of obsessing over any movie that would come out or, or any of the solo projects. We've talked about this. Paul, Paul was my favorite um, from the beginning and, and, the, and the solo career I always thought was really interesting. Not that it doesn't have its missteps. And I do think Wonderful Christmas Time is maybe one of the worst songs of all time. <laughs> it's a polarizing song. See, I like oh. it. Oh, I, 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 I don't mind it. But I like a lot of the cheesy stuff. I mean, you know, I'm fine with that. Uh, I think Ram is probably my favorite album. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, and I'm, I played music and I wanted to be a musician. That was my first, I thought I was going to be a songwriter. And so that that was also learning the songs, which I had all the so song books. Teach, I imagine you had this as well, was, you know, great. And I remember my brother Kent played me Blackbird on the guitar. And, oh, and wow. I was like, and and he used to get, he had the prettiest girlfriends. And I'm like, I think this, <laughs> this. is what, this is what you do. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, let's face it. That's why, I mean, Paul just said that in that fresh air interview, the reason they, they started a band was to pull birds. You know, it really was just young guys trying to get laid as Americans would say. So how did it change your life and your self image when millions of teenage girls wanted to you to make love to them. It was very comforting, Terry. <laughs> That's what Blackbird's about, pulling birds. <laughs> That's exactly what it's about, see? That and racism. <laughs> Potato, which I, really understand, which I still don't really understand. I kind of think he just made that up afterwards, but whatever. That's fine. I wonder. Yeah, I wonder. He's Lyrically, allowed. it doesn't. No, I, it, it, but it kind of does. But if John's allowed to say his songs are about like, that's the thing. Like we spend so much time analyzing Paul lyrics when John got away with, with lyrical murder a lot of the time and called it poetry. So, you and know, his wives. So, well, you know, there's that. We'll be right back on Twitch and Shout. Fuck, we talked about this. Oh, we're, no commercial break. Okay. We're not going to legislate the, the, that memory. I used to be cruel to my woman. I beat her and kept her apart. Love. John Lennon was complicated. Tony and I talk a lot on this show about yeah. about yeah. Run for Your Life and otherwise, you know, uh, Rubber Soul is probably my favorite album. And then you get to the last track and you get a little. Got you with Although I don't think you remember the rumor when Paul and Heather Mills got divorced that 
Paul beat her with her own leg. Yes. <laughs> Remember when that was a big thing? Like, yeah, that seems out of character. What? I mean, let's seems get... a bit out of character. I think, he's, <laughs> frankly, he's too stoned to have done that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I just read, though, that the reason Ringo and Maureen broke up was because of uh, Ringo, Ringo's alcoholism. And he said, described himself also as a wife beater as well. So oh, well, there's that, you know, it's, it's, you know, as we, as we know from our experience at second city, it is very hard to judge with 2022 eyes, uh, uh, things that were going on in 1995, let alone 19, you know, 67. I mean, it, it's like, not, not that it isn't clearly wrong and, and we all should right. be better, but behaviors which are which are accepted uh somewhat normalized or not talked about or all that stuff it's just different yeah and he also cleaned him ringo cleaned himself up so yeah. you know he hit that married. bottom we were talking about He's although he proper bach forever right i mean they're yes. however yeah, still. he still as of the early 2000s opens concerts with your 16 you're beautiful and you're mine you're 16 We um, I wanted to make sure you'd seen Get Back, uh, and I, you oh, yeah. said when you responded, you wrote, obviously, I've only seen it once. I think Tony's watched it a couple times now, but in addition to kind of a top-level view of this, did you have one holy shit moment? I had a number of them. I uh, I kept calling my wife Anne up, to like like you've got to look at this. And they're writing, <laughs> let it be. They're writing it in the in the moment. So the, the two were that in terms of like the song evolving. But then the other thing, because I'm a huge fan and I saw him solo in concert, was the minute Billy Preston shows up. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. you're like, oh, he like, and and here's the other overall thing about the access that we'd never had to watching that stuff was unparalleled. And watching creativity work, we're all in that industry, and we do get to be in the room when things get made. But it's the Beatles. It's a little bit different. But the fact is, like, they like each other. They don't hate each other, but they're like brothers, and so there's going to be shit. But when Billy showed up, it just set the both musically and the room. It felt like, okay, this is it. Like, keep him. He he is the glue at this point, what you need. And the sound was so amazing. So that that was really, for me, and knowing that he was like, how old was he, 19? 23. Something like that. I, he was I, a, I don't he, know. He's, he's yeah. a closeted gay right. kid. Just found that out. I didn't even know. Yeah. 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 So that, that, that was the, oh, my God, this is unbelievable and if billy preston had been hired into the band they would have been together another five six years i think yeah yeah i just heard some people talking about that if paul had uh been more receptive to the idea of there being five beatles or something like that it could have allowed them to do these all things must pass on the side and then come back and do your Beatles stuff yeah yeah and i think that the sound would have evolved like you think billy preston's sound at that time and then what would happen in the 70s they could have really easily gone into this sort of like funky bluesy uh and, and met the moment without losing their beatleness or with george martin in the 70s they could have come up with a horse with no name <laughs> that's the only problem with abbey road is it set the precedent for the george martin 70s soft rock stuff and i'll also mention that one of the uh, founding members of America, also uh, born again. Oh, is that right? Yes. I don't know which one. And I just read that Edgar Winter did like a whole like rock opera about Scientology in the 80s or something like that. No, really? <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, yeah. I, I was just Wikipediaing Edgar Edgar Winter. Sure you were, because that's what, what we do. Edgar Winter and then Johnny Winter. <laughs> yeah, then that Jonathan was the order. I do go. Thank you. I go alphabetically, <laughs> and then Jonathan. Yeah, it was uh, Dan Peak from America, who is now a big figure in the contemporary Christian scene. Thank you, Casey. Thanks, Casey. Thanks, producer Thanks. Casey. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Rick Hogan was coming into this thing for a second there. I got scared. You know, folks, let's welcome the Chicago Tribune's Rick. Co- is he not coming here? <laughs> no, it's just me. Okay. Rick in your home. It just had a flashback. Um, sorry. <laughs> That's right. We all did a show together called Chicago Live, which one day I've got those on tape. We can just rerun them here. No one will know. Oh, here we are again, playing with the cold, crystalline nighttime radio airwaves of News 720 WGN. I'd like to invite you to settle in. Enjoy the fun and have a listen to Chicago Live on tape. I do. I've got the whole Second City archive from when I was working there. And I, when you go back and watch stuff, you're like, oh, I don't know if they could do that scene anymore. I want to mention that when oh. you brought up how things have changed. But to your Billy Preston point, Kelly, we reviewed on our last podcast the concert for Bangladesh, which is the 50th anniversary yeah. of the release of the record. And, you know, we Tony and I had seen it before and we'd seen it a couple times and heard the album. But to see Billy Preston in the context of what we just saw with Get Back, he almost he enlivens the Bangladesh show more than I'd ever seen him do it before. The, his, that's the way God planned. It just takes the room to a different level. Let not your heart be created magic within yep. that band. Yep. There, it was interesting. I was in Denver this summer. It was my first time flying out. I was meeting two college buddies and we went to see uh, the band Lake Street Dive at Red Rocks. They're great. They're great. Uh, and they brought out, um, do you know Allison Russell? She's a Chicago-based artist. She's got mm-hmm. nominated for a bunch of Grammys. Uh, so she brought out and she, I'm trying to remember, she, I think she played horn and then sang. Um, she got a standing ovation. And, and um, as just coming on for one song and leaving, and it's sort of like, and this is a great band, and just, but it's like every once in a while, someone can come in and add this element and and not overshadow or whatever, but just like, oh my God, this is incredible. And I love those moments that those are, because you, know, you, you only get them sporadically, right? It's not like there's tons of people popping in and out of uh, the shows we go to. So yeah, yeah, right. It reminds me of what, when Prince took the solo on While My Guitar Gently Weeps. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I host a podcast for Second City called Getting DSN, and I just interviewed, and it hasn't aired yet, um, a behavioral scientist, Zoe Chance, who talks about influence and ways you can develop your, your influence and, and charisma. And she tells a story about Prince. She's at a concert. He comes on stage. He kind of locks eyes. She thinks with her, but the woman next to her faints. Uh, and oh. the paramedics come in. They're like, yeah, this happens pretty frequently. <laughs> but the story was... 
when he got hired, uh, uh, I think it was Warner's. I think he's a Warner's guy. I think. Yeah. Um, they were going to send him out on tour, and he was terrible. Hmm. He was terrible. Like when he started, um, you mean? Yeah. He just didn't. He didn't have the performing in front of audience chops. And like you can learn. So here's what we're going to do: instead of sending you out on your first headliner, you're going to open for Rick James. And oh. Rick James often. <laughs> wow. Sure. And it makes sense when you think about it. You're like. Oh, Prince's artistic and Rick James's fucking like cool, like stage vibe. Yeah. That's unbeatable. So he just developed by watching and practicing and then making those moves. <laughs> I'm Rick James, bitch. Was that what he said? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, this is Rick James. He's a star. I'm Rick James, bitch. <laughs> What was cool about that Prince performance, too, was watching like uh, Tom Petty and Jeff Lynn, two fits of the Trap and Wilburys playing alongside with Prince, by the way, and watching their jaws drop yeah. at him soloing. <laughs> That's what I love more than anything. It's a little yeah. bit like the Beatles smiling when Billy Preston's playing those parts. Like he, you, you pointed out early in the show, Kelly, even when the Beatles were breaking up, they still loved each other. They were still the best of friends. Yeah. They were still brothers, even with all the differences. Oh, yeah. And Billy Preston kind of helped push that energy to the forefront. Yeah, totally. I'm curious for you to, having watched it and seen Yoko basically just sitting at the feet <laughs> of John every single second of every moment, what did that evoke for you? Was it sim more sympathetic or was it more angering? What what was it? I, th I found it baffling at first. I also, you know, it wasn't a surprise, but just to see her, there's that moment when George is, trying to figure out something with an acoustic guitar standing right there. This is later on, I think in episode three and, uh, and like Yoko's just looking off as bored as can be. And I'm a, I'm a Yoko defender. I love Yoko. Sure. I, I did grapefruit and, uh, approximately infinite universe and these things. I so did I grapefruit. Love... My favorite song on all things must pass. <laughs> Some piece. Watch the sun until it becomes square. But not the best one, you know, not the best one. Uh, <laughs> But I found it, you know, or with her reading the paper, uh, my wife called it clipping coupons. Yes. <laughs> like, while they're creating masterpieces. Mm -hmm. I found it strange, but it didn't piss me off. And I also loved when she started, when, uh, when um, Linda brings Heather in, her daughter in, mm -hmm. and witnesses Yoko doing her screaming bit for the first time. And then she starts to do it. To me, it was kind of cool. Yes, that was cute. It was very cute. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. I'm not a Yoko hater either, but I, but I also, again, being someone who's had to be somewhat in charge of creative rooms, recognizing that if you bring a human in who is not connected to the creating and yet is attached to the other creator and no one else has, it just, it just to me, doesn't make sense. I mean, it definitely affected the dynamic for sure, yes. but, but that had happened around white albums. So we get to see yeah. them. It's not a shock. They're kind of like used to it by this point. Yeah, and they yeah. they almost ignore her as the way she's ignoring them. Right. But I completely agree with you about the uh, elephant's memory in the room. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. Uh, what, uh, where I kind of softened on Yoko a bit is watching Paul kind of give his tacit approval. He even said at one point, jokingly, what, what are they going to say in 50 years? We broke up because Yoko sat on an amp. It's going to be such an incredible sort of comical 
thing, like, in 50 years' time, you know. Mm. They broke up because Yoko sat on an M. The way Paul handles Yoko with such grace and yeah. such respect, it's not like... The, and if there is shit-talking Yoko, Peter Jackson and the Beatles' coffers left it out, but there's mm-hmm. a lot of acceptance, and that's what was telling and instructive to me in the Yoko story and how she fits. It should firmly dispel Yoko breaking up the Beatles should be terminated and Alan Klein should be thrown it's out. It's Alan Klein broke up the Beatles. A, yeah. Yes, thousand percent. Yeah, money. Beware of Abco. You know, Brian dying... And they, like yeah. they, they needed, they needed that uh, because look, I mean, the whole, the whole premise of what they're doing is ridiculous. This, this <laughs> yeah. idea that like, hey, we've got this month. You've just completed this incredible album. I'm sure you can just come up with all these songs. Like, and they're they're like, okay, okay. It's like you don't have to say okay to that, right? Like, Brian Epstein is not going to say okay to that. No. Yeah. It's impossible. It's an impossible task. The white album took them three months or whatever in India to come up with that. And they want, yeah, yeah, it's impossible. And they're writing half of Abbey road at the same time. That's that's so ridiculous. I know you're, you're hearing about the whole thing. Oh, Maxwell silver hammer or something. Okay. Fine. Yeah. Another day. Backseat of my car. Uh, Lennon, give me some truth. It's cuckoo. Yeah. <laughs> we talked a lot on the show, Kelly, about, uh, and I'll mention again, my, my, my oh shit moment was the cafeteria conversation. It was hearing John and Paul speak in their own voices about the dissolution of the band uh, chilled me. It's, it's, yeah. it, it, there was something about it. It's like what you imagined and had wanted to hear for, 50 years, you finally got to hear. It's a pestering wound that we've allowed to, and yesterday we allowed it to go even deeper, but we didn't give him any opportunity. And when he is that far then, Peter Jackson didn't just create art, he created an improved final chapter of Beatles history. That's what's so important right. about this film. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it, it's it's incredible storytelling. And if one knows Jackson's work beyond his big opus, this is what he's in the business of. He's in the business of epic stories yeah. that, that, that that get drawn down to little moments between humans often. Um, and so I think that like only someone like him could do this. I mean, you know, the guy who's got like the authentic canon that they're going to use for like, oh, I've got one of those. Am I feel about that? <laughs> Wait, what? In in the war movie that he did uh, recently, oh, uh, yeah. he, they they only use like artillery from that era, and so one of the cannons was like this. Oh, was a specific cannon? He goes, "I have one in my backyard." <laughs> they, they brought that one over just in case. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think I just think he it, it was the the right guy at the right time. Um, 
TJ, I don't know if you're listening to Mark Caro's podcast, but he uh, it's called Caro Pop, and he's a pretty great uh, former Chicago Tribune uh, writer, friend of ours. He was on the show, Kelly, on our okay. first week. Yeah, uh, he just interviewed the photographer who who took all the pictures during that session. And it was a really interesting. And this guy purposely oh, wow. didn't try to make friends with the band because it's like he didn't need them smiling. He wanted authentic moments. So also having that POV of like, oh. You just saw this whole thing in a whole other kind of way as you're standing as close as Yoko is to John, to George and Paul when they're doing their thing. Yeah. Yeah. And also because he does the opus, the epics, like he's he's now opened up that whatever Pandora's box to create longer. Maybe we'll get a longer anthology cut in the coming years, you know? Yeah. We, it's been shown that we can endure and enjoy and want more after eight hours. So, well, I think the you. new, I think the, the the fact that it can go to television where you can kind of watch it over a period of time. I thought we were done with surprises with the Beatles. Like we all know, we're going to be hearing Prince music for about another twenty years based on what I think is in the the vault. Yeah, uh, that gets worked out. Crazy vault. Yeah. So we we know that, and I'm excited about that. He released five albums a year while he was alive. <laughs> He's got the Paisley Park <laughs> catalog is a thousand records deep. <laughs> Yeah, I think Neil, Neil Young is similar, and I think he's got another yeah. rockabilly album coming here. I hope. I just that was, that was my favorite period. Uh, I had, had to endure one of those concerts at Alpine Valley Music Theater, and it was just like, oh. I've been walking all night long. My footsteps made me crazy. But yeah, so so I just thought we were done. I thought we had seen everything that they could possibly. So to get this kind of massive gift was incredible and then also i think as older human beings now as we started this podcast there's a different <laughs> level of appreciation for like oh i see what's going on here and i'm going to watch this with wiser more sympathetic eyes and also em emotional i mean it, it, there was there was you know like i welled up watching this thing Me, numerous times. times yeah yeah for sure yeah i know exactly what you mean before we let you go, Kelly, for for not just guys, but for people our age who also are Chicago sports fans, the pandemic kind of began with the last dance, which was yeah. for Bulls fans, obviously more far more recent, but for Bulls fans, what this was for Beatle fans and to love both to be a 90s Bulls fan and a Beatles fan. What <laughs> what a two year span. Pandemic. <laughs> Not bad. God bless this pandemic. Congratulations, those of you who've not been vaccinated. You're really giving us gifts. Join, join my dog and the people who are very pro-pandemic. <laughs> in fairness, your dog wears a Q t-shirt. <laughs> Avenue Q. Big fan of the Mercury <laughs> Theater production. Yeah, not the other Q. Between me and you, I think everyone's a little bit racist sometimes. Doesn't mean we go around committing uh, so Kelly, before we let you go, and I hope you'll come back and talk Beatles with us again, oh, for uh, sure. because you're you you know so much, and we love to talk to you about this stuff. What's your favorite Beatles album, and what's your favorite Beatles song? Does it be a single? What album you want to hear the most? What song do you want to hear the most? So that it's it's either Revolver or Rubber Soul. I don't know. I think I think those two. Mid period, um, yeah, and. For no one. Wow. Yeah. The track. Yeah. Yeah. I Alan Civil. It, uh, it's very funny because my wife makes, I make a lot of playlists on Spotify. If you want to follow me, there's a lot. And she always is like, it's always got to include Beatles covers. And there's a lot of terrific for no ones. 
My favorite Paul song is Junk. Yeah. Elvis yeah, Costello yeah. produced an album with Annie Sophie Otter, the opera star. And she does a this medley, which includes Junk, that is... And there's a Tom Waits number in there as well that's really beautiful. So I like seeking out other people sort of interpreting that stuff as well. <laughs> I want to say for no one, it's just Paul and Ringo with Alan Civil with the, the horns. That's it. Yeah. 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 That's a beautiful song. And it's, it's probably because it, it's something that really sat with me during childhood as always being a favorite. But, you know, there is so many others that I could, you know, throw throw out there. But that's probably what just popped into my mind right when you asked the question. Well, I, Kelly, yeah. Tony's favorite McCartney song across the board, of course, is Sea Moon. <laughs> I'm a, I do like Sea Moon. <laughs> <laughs> but not Sea Moon over Take It Away. That's what's going to break. That's what's going to Cisco and Ebert us. Is I'm Team Take It Away and Tony's Team Sea Moon. Kelly yeah. Leonard, check out his podcast, <laughs> Getting the Yes And. Kelly, you are great, and we're both so happy to talk to you. Thanks oh, for joining Twitch and Shout. We'll see you again soon. Untitled Beatles podcast. Like and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs>